Welcome to the Work Smart Club podcast hosted by Dr. Cynthia Howard, executive coach and Lean Sigma Black Belt, and brought to you by Work Smart Consulting. Inside of you is the power to transform your world. You just have to unleash your potential. Get ready for strategies you can use right now. Leadership leverage you need. Conflict is something the majority of people like to avoid, except we can't. It's part of everyday life, and in truth, without conflict, new ideas would not come forth. There wouldn't be any progress, so it is absolutely critical that people learn how to leverage it. I want to talk today about an interesting way to develop conflict skills in the workplace. We are living in a politically charged time. Changes are taking place that most of us never thought we would see. So now is the time when it's never been more important to learn conflict skills. Because in order to have new ideas, deep understanding, and fresh insights, it's critical to learn how to have healthy debates and to manage conflict. You know, it's the nature of politics to create a bias. This is what politics are. And I'm not saying that one should not get involved in politics, but I am saying that in the workplace, bringing politics into work and setting up policies around political ideas are only going to polarize your employees and your customers. So it's really not a good idea. In this podcast, I want to focus on dealing with conflict at work. And it's something you probably have not thought of before. So first, let's define conflict. I define it as an inability to agree to disagree. In other words, it's incompatible perspectives. The dictionary defines it as an open, prolonged fighting or a clash between two people. And basically, unresolved conflict prevents forward movement. It shuts down creativity because no one wants to take a risk and make suggestions to try something new. Now, I think most people hate conflict because they take it personally. Because when you're in an argument, it feels personal. But that's not really what's happening. First of all, there's a misunderstanding that conflict actually has benefits. And then there's a misunderstanding about why conflict happens in the first place. Most of the time it happens because of personality, not because of substance. But let's talk about what are the benefits of conflict. Probably the biggest benefit is it gives you an opportunity to break through assumptions and bias. If the reason people are in conflict is because there are differing perspectives and an inability to find common ground or to reconcile those differences, those are usually due to assumptions and bias. Now, these assumptions and bias happen because of thinking distortions that we all go through, especially when our workday is filled with interruption, distraction, information overload, and an accelerated pace where demands come in at a faster rate than our system can handle it. And so conflict highlights those different perspectives 
that leaders might have or a culture might have, especially when the culture or the leader is holding on to an idea so tightly that they can't even consider an alternative view. So conflict is a warning that there may be some bias. It can also be a signal to develop a framework for making decisions around certain practices. So if conflict always arises at a certain meeting, for example, take a look at what is being discussed in that meeting. Do you need a framework around that topic or that content so that you provide the guardrails for the conversation? So one super tip here is to actually monitor and measure the types of conflicts that you have. That can be one of your metrics. I know that might not sound appealing, but you're actually going to learn a lot about how your managers are handling their interactions with their staff and what the status is on the ground. So think about it in terms of how many grievances you have. Maybe HR has a metric where you're measuring grievances, but maybe you can just dial into your managers and say, how much time are you spending on conflict? 20% of your time, 30%, 40%, and just have them measure that from month to month and see if it's going up or down. And what you might be able to determine, are there new processes that have to be in place in order to refocus people on what really matters? The point that I want to make here is that conflict really should be leveraged and not ignored. Because the presence of it doesn't indicate there's any type of leadership failure. It's only when it's ignored that it becomes toxic. Now, I remember working with a manager who had been in that role for just a year, but his department was in a crisis mode. Turnover had increased, and there were multiple grievances that were continuing to come in. And the director thought, I could do some team building, and that would solve the problem. So it's hard to build a team when you don't have the foundational principles, when you don't have basic communication that is open, and you don't have performance standards in place so that people know what is expected of them. So this manager had been promoted. He was a technical expert and he was promoted into the manager position. And in that year, he really did not transition to that level of leadership. He continued to operate as the technical expert. And when he was in that role, people would come to him with issues, but he was never involved in how the team functioned as a whole. So he continued to isolate himself as that expert basically dealing with people one-on-one based on their technical questions. So he wasn't holding anybody accountable, and he wasn't setting the tone for how to deal with disagreements or complaints around workflow. So there were various groups of people that were competing with each other, that were arguing with each other, and they were being ignored. So people were leaving, quitting, and the grievances just continued to flow. The manager didn't have any comfort level with conflict, and there was 
a complete lack of understanding around what it was. He really, really took it personal when people were confronting each other because he didn't understand why they, quote unquote, couldn't just get along. But they were looking to him to provide the guidelines about how the team should function together. So let's talk about the work smart approach to handling conflict. First of all, in your mind, you want to think, how can I leverage this to increase the value of my team's interactions? Because I have also worked with groups where everybody was quote unquote nice, but there was nothing getting done. There was no effort to improve. There weren't any new ideas. People were barely making their deadlines. Their performance was mediocre, but yet everybody was very, very nice. So without conflict, you are also going to underperform, even though the environment may not feel as gritty. So there's an opportunity to learn from conflict, as I talked about in the benefits. So what does it mean to leverage conflict? Well, first of all, you have to recognize that it is not personal. The presence of conflict is not a failure. And even though it might feel uncomfortable, it's really not directed at you because most of the time it's coming from competing perspectives and that has to do with our personal style of communicating, gathering information. And the more aware one becomes of these unique differences that we all have, the more you understand that when someone says something, they're not coming up against you. They're just seeing things from a different perspective. So having the awareness that we all are going to come at a problem somewhat differently is going to bridge the gap. So how do you handle conflict? Okay, so now that you accept that conflict is part of the landscape, it is going to happen, and it is not personal, now you want to look at how do you train your team in conflict? Well, the idea that I want to talk about is bringing conflict training right up front and into the onboarding process. Well, why would I want to do that? When people are coming on board, there's no conflict. Exactly. Just like you're going to start using stress management tools when you're calm because you're going to learn how to really use them, why not start training people in conflict when everything looks good? Because when you introduce the healthy management of conflict right up front, you are building an expectation. So all new people, all leaders, all employees are going to come in knowing that they are expected to deal with conflict and ignoring it is not okay. They're going to have tools right out of the gate where they can handle either gnarly comments or some passive aggressive activity or some outright conflict. And you're setting a standard of practice. So the culture is one in which conflict is accepted, meaning you are opening up channels for a healthy debate. So in the onboarding, not only are you going to provide conflict training, but you can introduce some 
exercises that are going to build curiosity and increase people's networking skills. Like maybe you're going to have a scavenger hunt that takes people outside of their department and it forces them to learn about another department, either a department that supports them or is on either side of the value stream so that they understand how their work is part of a larger piece of the outcome. And through exercises, what we do at the Work Smart Network and training is we help people understand generosity in terms of information sharing, how to teach people where the resources are, how to get the information they need so that they can show up at their very best. And so what this does is it offers a positive framework for people to deal with challenges that may show up. And it sets a standard that says we're not going to tolerate any manipulation or control of people through hoarding of information or gating important documents so that people can't get them. And it breaks down the silos that are already interfering with good communication. So the conflict training that we use is a variety of approaches where we talk about the hot buttons that people have, the triggers that might get pushed when you're interacting with people, and then how to build a healthy conversation, as well as looking at the different styles of conflict management, when you should use them, and being flexible in your ability to use them. So when you're talking about conflict, you're also talking about the potential for bullying. And while bullying is very real, what I like to talk about is a standard of respect. Because when you make respect a standard and people model this, you can have people sign a policy, you have updated trainings around respectful communication, you don't even have to mention bullying. Because bullying hides in the shadows. And bullying is what happens when conflict is ignored. The same thing with passive aggressive behavior. You only have that when you don't have any clear expectations or definitive leadership in place so that you have a passive aggressive approach because a de facto informal leader shows up when you have a passive leader. So you have the opposite, the aggressive de facto leader show up, which at times can be a bully. So if you set clear expectations and you define respect as the standard, you don't have to confront bullying. You actually are going to model what you want to see. So in addition to conflict training, you also want to talk about bias and some of the other thinking distortions that happen as part of a natural processing. The way we are hardwired is our brain likes to conserve energy. And so bias will happen. It's part of the way we think until you question your thinking, explore your decisions, and you teach people a standardized approach to problem solving. So I like to include problem solving with the conflict training because 
when you give people skills to solve problems, it will also help them handle the conflict because very often that's when conflict shows up. So this standardized problem-solving process, I like to use Lean Six Sigma because it is proven, it is data-driven, it's a step-by-step process, and it's a recipe. So people can follow these steps, and what you're going to find is you are going to increase your value and decrease your waste. And in that process, you're also going to increase the type of interactions that people have and the conversations that they have. So just a very quick review for the foundational process of Lean Six Sigma. It's the D-M-A-I-C, Demaic approach, and it starts with defining the problem or the improvement activity or the project goals. So you first start with a definition. And then you look at what are the measures that you're going to use for performance. Do you need a process map, a Pareto chart, some of these other tools where you're going to take a look at the frequency of the problems or the causes? And in the third step, you're going to analyze to determine some root cause of variation. Where are, where are these defects or the poor performance coming from? And then you're going to improve the process by addressing or eliminating these root causes. And then finally, you're going to control the improved process by sustaining this change. And this is a very important phase and one that gets missed a lot. So you can use this approach. You can use other approaches that are a little more simplified. But the point is, is you want to have a standardized approach that everyone uses to solve their problems because you're teaching people critical thinking, situational awareness, and you're teaching people a process which is going to short circuit assumptions that people make and biases that people make. And it will help people eliminate types of conflict because with a problem-solving approach, you're going to have a team charter or a project charter where you can identify roles and responsibilities, accountability, and what to do when this happens or that happens. And it teaches people to communicate in a healthy way expectations and then how to handle when expectations aren't met. So it is a process. So you revise and review as you go along. So I like to start in the onboarding process, because what you're going to end up doing is you are going to be teaching people how you want them to show up and how you want them to perform on a day-to-day basis. Because when your team starts using metrics and they start to agree on how to handle problems, it really boosts their confidence, it increases their capacity And you've suddenly elevated the conversation to one that is performance-driven and not personality-driven. So, of course, you also want to teach people skills in negotiation and conflict conversations, handling difficult conversations, and we do include that in our training. 
But basically, just understanding that conflict is not a sign of failure, but in fact, something to be leveraged, because it means that there is some energy. Going back to the work group I was with that were all, quote unquote, nice, people were basically disengaged. But there was the standard of, we don't want to raise our voice, we don't want to look people in the eye, we don't want to say anything that would go against the status quo. And it was very interesting because even though they didn't have a lot of grievances and quote unquote, a lot of conflict, they had very low engagement scores. And part of this had to do with the leadership that really wanted to avoid conflict. So their goal was to avoid conflict and that was seen as a standard. So, you know, the law of gravity is everything flows down. So obviously every other director and manager underneath that felt like they needed to do the same thing. When in fact, what that was doing was really stifling productivity because conflict is just a sign of activity. And Once you go through conflict training, you're going to understand that there are different ways to handle conflict at different times based on the situation. And you're going to recognize that stepping outside of your comfort zone can be very freeing. I remember working with one executive director of an agency who felt like compromise was the absolute best way to handle conflict. The organization was small, it was a nonprofit, and there was a need for people to show up and everybody, quote unquote, to get along. So he felt like compromising was a great way to handle things, except he compromised so much to the point there were times that he had to come down hard and tell people the way it was, so to speak. Well, all that did was make people angry and it shut down the creative process and you ended up having some side conversations and he lost credibility. So one can't always compromise because that's not necessarily going to get you the best and the most optimal solution. In fact, it's going to get you a mediocre solution most of the time. Now, sometimes compromise, you do that. But once you learn the idea of problem solving, you're going to see that some of these attempts to solve conflict can actually create more problems. So having some training is very helpful. It's an experience that people have. And once you start to engage in a healthy way, seeing what conflict looks like on a day-to-day basis, seeing how to handle it and not end up in fights or feeling like you just made a mistake, you're going to recognize that, you know what, I can do this. And it actually feels good to get to the other side and come to a place of common acceptance or an agreement to disagree, so to speak. Because if you've agreed to disagree, you at least have some common ground for a moment. And then you're going to incrementally make progress based on what the goal is. So I know that conflict is one of those topics that people like to ignore. 
And many leaders want to pretend like it never happens because the leader that they want to be seen as, they want to think the conflict doesn't happen on their watch. Well, all I can say is that engaging your team in conflict training right out of the gate and providing this training along with problem solving, along with the thought distortions that come about as a result of conflict, you are going to elevate your team's performance and you're going to set up a standard that is going to generate better outcomes more consistently in your workplace. And you will have an energized, engaged workplace. So I look forward to hearing about your experience with conflict. Please stay in touch. We offer training. If you would like to schedule a strategy session, go to worksmartthinkdifferent.com. Hit the button that says work with us and schedule your complimentary consultation. Thank you for tuning in to the Work Smart Club podcast. We love our listeners and want to hear from you. Please join us at worksmartclubnetwork.com. Stay connected and subscribe to our show so you never miss any of the content. Leaving us a positive review lets everyone know we add value. We thank you for it.